0: This is Pixelated Playgrounds, a gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha,
1: and I'm Josh Kalecki.
0: and today we're talking about Inglet, developed by Niflos and Triple Topping Games. It was released for PC in 2021, uh, and this is a very, very chill game.
1: Spoiler alert about Yanglet There, <laughs> that's right, Inglet.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I it, I think given the chill demeanor of this game, I'm going to allow myself the mispronunciation leniency. Um, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure the developers won't get too
1: up my ass about it. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um, but the developer actually Nifles, he's been known for doing quite a bit of indie games. He's been around for a while now, kind of a staple. ...of the indie game scene, and um, I was looking at John Walker's Buried Treasure site. Uh, John Walker, who is one of the co-founders of Rock Paper Shotgun, he now has made it his mission to highlight and surface... Um, ...indie titles that did not get the reception they deserved. Because there's just so many games out these days. Uh-huh. Yinglet was one of his games of the year for last year, and I thought... Oh, That's a solid recommendation in my book. I'll check it out.
0: Yeah, no, and and, uh, as you recommended it and told me you were playing it, I think I immediately hopped on board because um, I felt a need to, like, play a few short, very digestible games. I don't know what I was playing at the time, but... Um, needless to say, as I'm replaying it now in the throes of playing Elden Ring, it is also sort of satisfying a very <laughs> necessary position in my gaming life.
1: <laughs> a, very, a very necessary component of a complete gaming breakfast, so to speak.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you have to balance your Elden Ring acidity with some nice basic inglet to, um, <laughs> to keep a very neutral palate. <laughs>
1: well, this game was created by Nicholas... Negrin, that's another mispronunciation strike against us, Um, but this was a developer that back when I was first getting into indie games with Cave Story and whatnot, um, I played a couple of his other games, Night Stories and Within a Deep Forest. Uh, Both of those games were very fun, uh, very good, and kind of like opened my eyes to what independent developers could deliver.
0: Yeah, I was aware of Niflas, as he goes by, um, because of that neat series you mentioned. Um, You know, it's something I've sort of seen in the indie game community, and it sounded like something I'd always sort of wanted to check out. I am also familiar with Triple Topping more recently because they released a game called Welcome to Elk that has sort of been doing the rounds on, you know, good, uh, you know, short form adventure story games that I want to try and play too. It's supposed to have a pretty good uh, writing sensibility and and things like that. Um, But this is another one of those games that uh, was created through an endowment or rather a um, funding support from. danish indie or danish indie gaming funds so this is uh the danish film institute that was able to help fund this one which i always find fun you know canada has this um i think we've seen games done in amsterdam that were supported by government funded uh things of this nature uh where are our us funding sources like this come on why don't we get this <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think what happens is microsoft or epic buys out your studio
0: capitalism (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i mean it's the thing is like i feel like a game like this you'll almost you'll probably never see something like this um at least you know funded by you know a u.s institution or anything like that and if they are you know reach out to us let us know we want to play your game but um, <laughs> I, I do really like seeing this uh, come across, you know, people getting funding to, like, pursue a very niche and interesting and, um, you know, offbeat uh, concept or idea. And I think Inglit definitely um, serves up that exact sensibility.
1: Absolutely. Uh, just to get the whole plot out of the way, uh, <laughs> a big meteor hits the world. It's bad. That's it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> sorry, I should have led with that. Uh, but this game is very much not about the plot. You have little friends you rescue, but they're almost more like a joyous little mechanic rather than any like um, any sort of storyline that goes along with it.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about what you're actually, you know, doing moment to moment, because I think that that might put all of this in a bit of context. This is, I guess, what is generally called an anti-platformer, which is to say it's a platformer, but it's not a platformer.
1: (laughs) I've heard it described as a platformer without platforms, which I don't necessarily agree with that, because you are trying to get from one space to the other. Um, I think a better way to describe it is there are these cells or bubbles of Mm -hmm. land that's rather water that your little squid dude swims around in and when you're in the bubbles it's like a top-down controls but when you leave the bubbles gravity kicks in and you fall you have a limited amount of air control but um you gotta figure out where to go using those mechanics
0: Yes, uh, you are basically like a little bedazzled manta ray, and you sort of... (laughs) (laughs) bedazzled, Or, yeah, bedazzled manta ray or jellyfish or something like that, and you're sort of swimming, as you said, Josh, over the platforms, but the gravity outside of it can still affect you, and they sort of iterate on that idea with um, interesting sort of colored bars and... um, i guess uh, what you what we would call subways that allow you to like zip from one area to another and the the whole um conceit is that you're navigating these levels to as you mentioned find a little critter and the critter will lead you to the exit of the level and then the level's over
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's important to mention, too, you do have your air dash as well. Once you, um, well, you can do it inside the watery cells, too, but it's your primary means of manipulating your velocity and direction um, when you are outside of the safe watery cells. One interesting thing they do with that uh, zone of safety is you can checkpoint literally anywhere in the game oh, not anywhere, but any of these cells, if you stay put for, I think, like two seconds, not a whole lot um, it becomes your new checkpoint and when you die, you instantly restart at that checkpointed area
0: yeah, and and by die we mean in very typical like platforming sense. Like you fall below, you know, gravity takes hold of you when you're outside of one of these cells, and you fall beyond the boundaries of the level, and there's no no longer any platforms for you to land on. Um, An some interesting levels...
1: thing they do with that instant restart too is you don't like warp back to where the platforms are. Rather, you just your guy falls into nothingness, and there's just blank screen around him, and then it draws the level around you so it feels like even faster
0: yeah yeah it's it's a really quick reload you know we have a sort of a splatformer thing going on where you're not splatting you're just sort of falling um (laughs) um and the the level yeah as you said it's it's a really quick restart which i appreciate because uh some of the later levels in this actually did get quite challenging um you know, making sure that you were able to to navigate all that. But I guess we should talk a little bit about how they layer in those challenges, right? Because what we've described so far is pretty basic, right? Navigate from um, anti-grav uh, zone to zone and, and dash between them. But they definitely mix it up a little bit. They start to add in um, a couple of specific mechanics to um, that you need to navigate around.
1: There are these uh, subway lines, like you mentioned them. I call them subway lines because you board the train so much and it takes you along a track, um, but there's also little station names by each of them at the beginning.
0: Yeah, we didn't mention this, but like as soon as you start the game and the meteor hits, the um, overworld appears and that overworld is a map of Copenhagen. Um, so, <laughs> so you're very much like, I don't know why Copenhagen. Um, hey, I mean, it's a cool city. I'm sure I'd love to visit someday, but yeah, um, <laughs> Yeah, so all of the locations that the levels are named after are specific uh, stops in or locations in Copenhagen, and there's certain stations. And as you mentioned, Josh, some of those stations uh, appear in the levels, and you, you ride the, the metro lines uh, within them.
1: It was a fun little local touch. Like, I couldn't understand any of the Swedish or Danish words. Uh, Danish words that were there, but um, I I could tell it was like, okay, this is probably a subway station over here. It gave a little bit of (laughs) flair and flavor to the game that, you know, might not have made it in there. Otherwise, it wasn't necessary to put a word over there labeling the station name, but it worked out.
0: It is very true. And I think it's worth mentioning at this point, I'm sure we'll talk more about the art style later. But when we're talking about these cells and things that you're navigating between, this is an extremely minimalistic game, right? We're basically talking about black line uh, squares on a white background. Um, and, you know, there are pops of color that appear as you go um, there's I'm sure we'll talk more about sort of the ambient art making and music making that happens throughout the game later. But um you know, this is one of those games that starts off stark and very simple, but you are sort of going through and making the art for yourself as you play it.
1: Even at that first level, like this game is short enough that I played through the whole thing last night, Um, just as a refresher. But like, even in the first level, you start off in these kind of like They're not even squares. They're more fun than squares. They're like bulging squares. (laughs) And you're going from square to square. And then, oh, this one's arranged in kind of a flower petal arrangement. And you touch one of those squares and color appears and blooms outward. So it's a minimalist game, but they have a very sharp use of color. And it's a minimalist, but still a very pretty game
0: yeah absolutely it's it's really expressive like for however simply line drawn all of the levels and characters are like it still feels really kinetic and alive when you're moving through it somehow um Mm -hmm. so kudos to them for making it feel like a bustling city despite the fact that you and the little critters that you're rescuing are are the only things appearing on the screen
1: (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of moving through the city Uh, Two other major mechanical obstacles that you'll come across are the blue lines and the red lines. And this is in subway lines here. Um, But the blue lines are lines that if you're little squid guy bounces on them it bounces off it kind of reflects them or if he bounces on top of them he like trampolines upwards so they kind of like um reflect your momentum a little bit and then you have specifically i call them these like reflection lines where you have to dash into it um but if you dash into it it reflects your dash speed off um, i should mention to da- air dash you hold down a or whatever your button of choice is and it slows down time it creates a little aim style laser beam line that shows you where you're going to dash so you can angle things off of these red lines very precisely to achieve the effect you're looking for
0: yeah it's very much like uh you initiate the vector and then you're immediately launched in that direction at top speed Um, Mm -hmm. but it does to your point about these various surfaces that you're either bouncing on or ricocheting off of it's very much um, about maintaining the momentum that's what the whole levels or all of the levels start to become about in later stages is maintaining the momentum and making sure you're able to uh, make it from one safe zone to another uh through some of these little gauntlets that they'll start to put you through
1: you get one air dash until you either land in a safe space or you or a bounce bounce yeah. or you reflect off of something so you're trying to make these combos that will get you from point a to point b one of my favorite moments in the game was actually with these red lines and blue lines which you know is like oh you fall on these or you dash into them is when foot that around uh as you learn later on the game you can dash through the blue lines and you can fall through the red lines and the Mm -hmm. game eventually requires you to learn that and put it to use and it was kind of like a nice symmetry for me like oh we use this mechanic for this thing we use this other mechanic for this thing well they do opposite things if you do the opposite thing
0: Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning at this point that the game is really elegant in how it's introducing these mechanics. Um, Generally speaking, when you're coming across a new element in a level like one of those bars, you know, the red or blue lines, um, you'll have a sort of short interstitial level where it introduces the, the mechanic in sort of a safe space. And I think this to me reminds me of like the Super Mario method of mechanic introduction, right? Like you introduce it in a safe zone... And then you uh, put it to practice in a level, and then they put a twist on it, right? To uh, sort of show that you understand it and have mastered it, and they move on.
1: Oh, um, I'd even go farther, like, better than Super Mario. Like, introducing new mechanics and complications in safe areas. A great tenant of game design right there. Um, but these short interstitials, you know, little tutorial-like levels... Um, There are a few options to do, except what they want you to do. It's one thing to give you a safe space to play around, it's another thing to really well signpost the way you're supposed to go. Uh, one of the things that actually reminded me of was The Witness. When you get to a new puzzle location, um, you get to a new puzzle and there's only so many ways you can do a thing. Uh, so you try them out and, okay. This is what we got. So it's like limiting the player's options to make the tutorial more effective. And these were very effective. Short, sweet tutorials. Especially once you knew what you were doing on a replay.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they accomplished this in a variety of different ways. And and one of which, from my memory, is um, that they would... uh, bait you towards the solution they're, they're going for with these collectibles. And there are collectibles in each level that you can get to sort of in, increase your score overall, I think, to 100% the game. There are, I think, generally three collectible, collectibles in a level, plus the critter that you need to, to exit the level. Um, and uh, they started to use these in the tutorial levels to a really great effect. Like you said, Josh, really clearly signposting what they're trying to get you to do and make you learn the, the required uh, mechanical twist.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I'm thinking, um, uh, there was a moment where you have to learn what to do with the red and the blue lines and they put two of them right next to each other that go across the entire screen. Like, it's very obvious right away that you can't get around them, you have to go through them somehow. Well, what can I do with that? Very legible, from a gameplay perspective
0: absolutely and i think it's so smart how they just used very simple um nomenclature here you know it's not just red and blue but there's also like um the lines are different textures too like one is dashed and one is has hard lines on it like so you know colorblind accessibility always a good thing um Mm -hmm. but it is um just as you said just a very legible game Um, even though it is totally minimalistic and abstract. (laughs) Well,
1: when you're abstract and minimalistic, you got to be legible, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I did find it funny. Um, We talked a lot about how it looks, but we haven't really talked so much about um, how it moves. And I think an important thing to me was how, I, I guess I talked a little about this earlier, but how well momentum is preserved and how you really feel like you're just sort of flying through the air and then gravity takes its hold and you know slams you back down and and to that end uh in an interview that i think we both watched the developer nifles said echo the dolphin was a uh, an inspiration <laughs> for him uh, although he had never played it
1: <laughs> he had the idea of it and he's like oh i wonder what that would be like let me create a game off of this uh imaginary thing it's it's probably like this
0: that's right. My favorite RPG ever is inspired by Quest 64, a game that <laughs> i never played. <laughs> oh, um, man. I remember reading the
1: <laughs> Nintendo Power Previews on that one.
0: Yes, indeed. Hey, if it's one of like two uh, games in a genre on your platform, you can bet it's going to get some coverage. <laughs> um, but... well, speaking
1: about the momentum, though, in the control, there was a very interesting um, Twitter thread that Neoflas had talking about The control assist that he has, because he is cheating almost constantly in terms of what the player is expecting versus what the player actually gets, or what the player should get by just the sort of quote-unquote laws of physics of the game. Um, But things like when you're trying to dash into a red platform, and the uh, you're you're running out of time, or you're just a little too far away, or something like that. Uh, Niflis will give you a pretty significant boost in order to make what you are trying to make. Because, you know, you slow down time when you're trying to do the dash, but it doesn't slow down completely. You're still moving, which is Mm -hmm. something you need to use in the game later on, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think this is important and i think it's a thing that a lot more games do than we will ever be aware of unless you are you know constantly looking on twitter for developer tell-alls um there's always this like the last bullet in a clip does double damage thing in in most shooters you know things of that nature <laughs> i never heard that <laughs> or the last 25 percent of your health bar is actually 50 percent of your health bar <laughs> <laughs>
1: well <laughs> you know, things like that Yeah, Yeah,
0: there's all kinds of illusions that developers can use to like, make an experience better for the player. And I am here for it. You know, I am I'm fine to have the wool pulled over my eyes and have a good time.
1: (laughs) Well, especially in a game like this, that's all about movement and momentum. Um, Like, I want to do what I want to do. It's like, uh, if I play Tony Hawk, I don't know how to skateboard for the life of me, but I still want to be able to get a good score there, you know?
0: Yeah, you better believe that I want to be able to land my skateboard at a 45 degree angle and still get credit for that.
1: So this game did a great job with its art style, like that minimalistic vibe is not something you see in a lot of games these days.
0: Yeah, and I really like the choice of color and the way that they made the colors move on the screen. Um, Like, I'm thinking of when, even when you do something simple, like pick up a collectible or, most importantly, exit a level, like the undulation of the the colors and shockwaves that they sort of put on the screen when you're hitting that final level exit gateway is really satisfying. Like, they've got something really nice going on with the choices of colors and the way they move them across the screen
1: even something as fundamental as the main character that you're controlling the squid with a nice undulating tentacles behind it like you don't have to have that in this game this game would work if you're just like a ball like some of the <laughs> other games that I won't mention uh <laughs> no no that's that a good game too um within deep forest uh but like you know it's a pleasing aesthetic uh to see everything moving around like you, you can take a look at a screenshot on this game and be deceived by it because in actuality, the game has a lot of motion to it, but it doesn't translate as well to the screenshot.
0: Yeah, I think it's a game that probably had really good GIFs of it going on, but not yeah. necessarily good screenshots. <laughs>
1: it's more gifable than screenshot for and sure.
0: It's even better as a video with sound because when you start to see the sound aspect of it come together, um, it really sings, for lack of a better word. Um, This game has a fully... Uh, generative, I guess algorithmically generated soundtrack that is fully responsive to the player's movement so as you're zipping along the subways you're getting a nice little undulation on a waveform that uh, the soundtrack is going, when you land on a platform you're getting a nice ping or um, uh, a a tone that will play and as you make your way through the level you're starting to sort of do some like jazz with the game
1: A little, yeah. It's um interesting that the music in this game is not structured like music in other games is. Um, like there's no verse, chorus, um, necessarily a melody line that will repeat after a set amount of time. Everything is responsive to what you do as the player.
0: I do like how they give you a little bit of guidance, though, because on every level there is a beat. It always starts off with the the sort of baseline beat, um, and that will play even if you're just sitting on a platform, and then as you start to make your moves, um, the sort of tones and additional sort of rhythm and, I guess for lack of a better word, the the melody will start to form itself around your actions. So they're laying down sort of a, a baseline track for you to riff on, for lack of a better word. But you are the one who's sort of taking the lead if we're talking about, I guess, a jazz, <laughs> jazz stand or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um in some ways, between the art explosions that happen and the sound effects, it's almost like you're playing Yinglet as an instrument
0: yeah it's it's very much like that and and with the game sort of basically charting the course of the level throughout the day right i I don't know if you noticed this but very subtly over the course of the levels it goes from complete white daytime colors to uh sort of an amber evening color to the last level being a dark nighttime color with nighttime festival light colors and things of that nature
1: oh that was a great change it I remember it happened, so, like the nighttime fireworks happened suddenly at one level, but very cool to see that.
0: Absolutely. I think this game does, like like we said all along, it does really great things with colors. And, you know, it uses the backgrounds to augment that, right? You know, it's slowly shifting the, the background colors and then adapting the, the foreground colors as a result. And to that end, like, to me, this is sort of, you know, there's no, st- the story is, is completely nonsensical, like you said. Meteors, Meteors, microbes, uh, amoebas, you know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, But uh, to me, it almost sort of like charts the path of a person going throughout the city during the day, running errands before they head to a festival at night with their friends or something like that.
1: (laughs) I actually feel like that would have been a better story. Like the meteor (laughs) didn't really add anything.
0: Yeah, it's like just a kick ass day in Copenhagen, the game, except it's a minimalist platformer with a squid. (laughs)
1: you know kind of thinking about that um instrument metaphor too i feel like i i loved those last two levels in this game like where that's where everything comes together and it was like i didn't see how great the game design was until i got to that moment and looking back i'm like oh wow this really is something it really comes together so well in those last ones um but like playing those levels reminded me of guitar hero a little bit like you're not deciding what music is going to be made you're not deciding what platform uh what the platform route is going to be through the level but you're still executing technically on that ability and making some cool music art platforming in the meanwhile yeah
0: absolutely it's um sort of like guitar hero if um the game was just laying down the backing track and was asking you to write the, the foreground.
1: <laughs> <A> guitar Hero, <laughs> if it was a platformer. <laughs> sure,
0: yeah, plus a platformer, of course. <laughs> uh, obvious. This is such an obvious uh, inspiration for a video game. Why has no one done this before? <laughs> 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 no, it, it, it really is sort of one of a kind, though. I guess, you know, I, I've been trying to think of, like, games that have similar sensibilities and um, direction and, like, The closest I could come is like uh, a game with a similar sort of feel in terms of momentum could be something like Journey. A game that has similar minimalism could be something like Baba is You. And a game with similar sort of esotericism would be something like Starseed Pilgrim. So those are my like meets, meets, meets indie games for England.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, hard to find a similar experience to this
0: no it it, i i'd say like based on the completely ridiculous attempt that i just made to do so it's pretty safe to say this is a very unique game And with that, let's algorithmically generate ourselves some three-word reviews for Yinglet. My three-word review is Feel the Flow. The best moments of Yinglet for me are the times when your momentum is carrying your little bedazzled jellyfish through the course and you're simply reacting. You're reacting to the level and the music is in turn reacting to you which then makes you begin to time your moves so you can write a sort of improvisational jazz piece with the game. It's an incredibly chill experience, and I enjoyed every minute of it. So I encourage you, pick up Inglet, sit back, and feel the flow.
1: All right, my three-word review is Joyous Space Dolphin. Uh, Because, you know, we all like designing games based off of uh other games we've never played before um but this game it was so you know i first heard about it as a platformer without platforms and i don't think it quite lives up to that billing uh it definitely has a unique movement mechanic but that's kind of like the pitch rather than what you stay for um What you stay for is the really tight platforming mechanics, served up in a different sauce than maybe what you're used to. Uh, But the gradual evolution and reveal of the mechanics uh, was a fantastic thing to go through. The, The interstitial levels really taught you what you needed to know. And then the next levels would take those mechanics to their logical conclusions. Um, And that feels like, from a game design perspective, what you're shooting for. You want your game to say what it has to say, to not leave anything on the table, and Yinglet did exactly that. Uh, It's a great study in game design for anybody who's interested in that. uh, And it's a great game to play for everyone else. Definitely give it a go.
0: Heck yeah. And it's only going to take you about 90 minutes. So get in there, play it, get out. Um, It is very efficient from a time perspective to have a great experience. (laughs) Um, It gets the new dad seal of approval. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we want to say thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to share it with folks you think might enjoy it as well. And if you want to get in touch, drop us a note at pixelatedplaygrounds at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at pixelplaypod. And for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skarsha.
1: I'm Josh Galecki.
0: Take care and keep on gaming. You mentioned um, designing a game based on uh, just the concept of of a game you've never played before. Uh, Do you have the concept of a game you've never played before that you want to design a game around? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: I don't have anything in particular, but I will say one of the most fruitful... Fruitful sources of game design inspiration is when you play a game and you're like, ugh, I don't like that mechanic. I could do it better. I've heard from my game design, our fr- game developer friends, that uh, Skyrim has launched a thousand alchemy simulators. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that actually makes total sense. That alchemy system is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs>